Are you tired, frustrated, and feel stuck? Are you a high-performing business professional, entrepreneur, and you are not getting the results you desire or you hit a ceiling? Have you been around the block and tried many modalities? You are in the right place. The answer, my friend, is in the little-known brain-soul connection. Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your dream life. Your host, Louise Schwartzwalter, created a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. You are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. The seed of all you need is already within you. From engaging transformational interviews, brain-soul success stories, and secrets shared by health, wellness, and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brain Soul Success Show, and you are in for a real treat today. My guest, Betty Murray, she's a nutrition expert, a PhD researcher, certified functional medicine practitioner, and a speaker. And Betty helps women over 40 harness their hormones to lose weight, optimize sleep, restore their energy, and thrive in life. During her research for her PhD, Betty found four discoveries that lead to hormone and meta meta metabolic imbalances that plague women over 40. I can't wait to hear those discoveries. <laughs> I'm super excited about this. Um, restoring balance to these key metabolic and hormone pathways is the basis of her hormone reset program. This program has helped her and hundreds of her clients lose weight easily, reduce hot flashes, restore sleep, turn up their energy without living on a diet. Oh, I like this. Without living on the diet of deprivation, right? So many women really feel deprived when we have to like do the whole food thing and there's so much around diets. Um, yeah. And she's also the host of her own podcast, the Menopause Mastery Podcast and the founder and CEO of the Living Well Dallas Functional Medicine Center. She's frequently featured as a nutrition expert on Fox News Broadcasting, CW33, NBC, and CBS. You're rocking it. You're doing so much good work in the world, Betty. Well, thank you. Thank you, Louise. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be a fun it's really, really, It's really, really fun. And, and I know you have a big clinic and you have other people who work with you. And so you're really helping women on all kinds of levels. Yes, yes. You know, how did you get started? You, you know, <laughs> you know, I think everybody, you know, especially in this community, the functional med, you know, nutrition community, I, I would love to say everybody shows up because they just think this is the right path. But much like everybody else, I had some of my own health challenges, um, you know, to kind of start off. I, as a kid, I had some digestive stuff that would kind of come and go. And, you know, it was one of those things, you know, of a kid of the 70s, it was like if your arm didn't fall off. They were like, oh, you're fine. You just keep going, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I got into my 20, like late teens, early 20s in college, it got more pronounced, but it would then come and go. And I'm, you know, a young person. I don't really care. And as I got older, it got worse. And it, I ended up being diagnosed with colitis. And so, um, you know, at, at the time, there was, I had this very interesting sort of mix in my life. I, um, I was raised Christian scientist, so I didn't see a doctor until I turned 18 and I went to get put on birth control. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I literally yes. had never seen a doctor personally, but my father had had his first heart attack at 42 when I was six years old. So my dad, you know, had a heart attack, went to the hospital, had been in and out of cardiac care in my entire life. So I had this weird, you know, sort of experience of I'm in a hospital seeing the science, seeing, you know, what at that time Western medicine could really do, but it was not something I participated in. So I had, I'm not a compliant patient. You know, I don't take what the white coat says and says, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. So my first question was, could it be something I'm eating? Could I do something about my diet with this digestive autoimmune disorder? And the doctor looked at me and barked this laugh in my face and went, oh, it has nothing to do with diet. So, uh, you know, I had a few choice words, but, you know, for me, I was like, it's got to have something to do with the diet. So I started changing my diet, looking at things and started taking some classes about health coaching and went back to school to get nutrition, you know, training and ended up becoming a certified nutritionist and, and going for a master's. And when I got there, that clicked in. I was like, I don't need to just fix myself. This is why I'm here. You know, this is really my calling. You know, I was uh -huh. in corporate America doing a whole different game, but I had to kind of go through it myself. Even watching my father go through a lifestyle disease wasn't probably enough at that time because I just, you know, it, I think it's I, the sad truth of it is now we know so much more for cardiac patients. I might have been more engaged, but for me, it was my own, it was my own health concern that really drove me. To make those changes. Okay. Yeah. And what did you find you had to change? With celiac, for you, you know, because it's both. different for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I'm both. So I was diagnosed with colitis first, and then I had positive antibodies for celiac at the same time. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, the the beginning of it, I had to take a lot of foods out of my diet. You know, mm -hmm. I had food sensitivities of like 37 foods. Um, you know, had to do a lot of gut repair. And, you know, the other side of it is I was working in corporate America and working on average 80 or more hours a week. I was a road warrior. I was on the road. And mm -hmm. at the time, I didn't realize how much the stress of what I was doing in my life was driving it too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I had to really make a change with that. So for me, gluten-free, egg-free are the two major triggers for my my digestive upset, both colitis and obviously celiac. The celiac was later on. I didn't know that until later. So I was lucky enough to be able to do diet and lifestyle and sort of stave off even trying the meds because I, I, was, I was a moderate case. I wasn't severe. So I'm thankful every day that I didn't listen and get put on medications in the very beginning that, you know, might be problematic to come off of. Right. No, good for you. So you really took the more natural route. In dealing with, and then you also became a certified functional medicine practitioner. What what led you to to that path as well? You know, so you know, so functional medicine is is getting to the root cause. You know, instead of looking at covering up symptoms or suppressing something, which then usually leads to a new symptom that you then therefore need to cover up. It's it's looking at all of these diseases we die from, whether it's you know cancer or autoimmune conditions, heart disease, diabetes. These are all shared mechanisms. They're different expression of a shared mechanism. And underneath those mechanisms are diet, lifestyle, stress management, exercise, which would be the underpinning of nutrition to begin with. You know, so when I found the functional medicine movement, to me, it felt very natural. If anything, I think a nutritionist is almost more poised to understand it than a physician who was really locked into this identify, diagnose by labeling and apply some sort of kind of harsh treatment. Um, so I found that in the you know mid 2000s started taking all of the training and then 
was one of the first 300 and worldwide certified by the Institute for Functional Medicine. But, but really a lot of it, 95% is, is nutrition, lifestyle supplementation. Right, right. And will they go hand in hand? I was just curious too about your path and your journey because we all have a different journey and we, we get to here in a different way. And often I do hear that, Betty, that people have some kind of crash or health crisis themselves that leads them or someone in their family does that leads them on the path of really being aware of food and what to do with a diet and all the things that you get to help women with now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, usually some of this really does affect our brain. You know, there's a brain gut relationship for sure, you know, and I'm a brain guru kind of person, you know, I'm a brain expert. So I'm curious, you know, when you were working on getting healthier, um, what do you remember as what, how did that affect your brain power? You know, there were several, there were several things that when, especially if I was in the middle of a flare or, and, and especially when I bottomed out, you know, for me, part of it was cognition. I just couldn't, it's, it would seem like I couldn't get my brain to sort of wrap around what I was either reading or trying to understand. I'd have to repeat, you know, I was working in IT, so very exacting sort of world. And I'd have to repeat the thing that I was doing because I would make it what would have been like a normal mistake. It was just like I couldn't see the forest through the trees, you know. And mm-hmm. and I would say the other side was definitely energy and mood. You know, it wasn't only that my body felt like I was slogging through concrete. It was like my brain just didn't have enough, you know, amplitude to actually function. And I just wanted to lay on the couch, you know. So you sort of dis- start to disconnect and you're like, I'm... I'm not, I'm one of those people that are wired and I feel good all the time. And then uh-huh. I feel a little better. I don't generally, but at that time when I was sick, I was just like, oh my gosh, somebody unplugged me and I don't even want to interact, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there was this kind of across the board, you know, inflammation and also sort of down regulation of my function and it, it affected everything. Right, right. That's what I often see. We don't realize how important the brain is. You know, we're whole people. We got to look at brain, heart, gut, the whole body. Yes. Um, but we don't realize that that's the master control tower. And when that's not getting the juice and you're not feeling good there, you can't do anything else. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you got that back, right? You got your brain power back. You got your optimal energy back. All of that happened by changing diet and just doing what else? Supplements? Well, I did a lot of supplements and, you know, I, you know, while this was going on, I entered into my forties. And so I had, you know, I had kind of the start of perimenopause. So I had this whole new layering of sort of changes, you know, which is kind of why I sort of got pulled into women's health over the years. And so for me, a lot of it was optimizing supplementation for my genetics. You know, we're, we're very unique. So depending on, you know, what I come in contact with toxins wise or what my hormones are doing, I'm either okay at or not very good at getting rid of them. So for me, it was also optimizing nutritional supplementation for the season of life that I was in and what I needed my body to do. So, you know, there's, there's a, always a timing and sort of an order of things, you know, so one stage, the first stage is recovering the gut and recovering that function. And then the second stage might be, you know, repair and rebuild. And then the next one is looking at what's left over in the aftermath once your gut is better. And for me, a lot of it was hormonal, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I do, a, I did a lot of different things over time, but I can tell you today at mm-hmm. 53, I have more energy. I, I have better athletic performance, oddly enough, than I did in my late thirties and even middle thirties, honestly. Awesome. And it's, people always tell you, oh, as you get to midlife, which I don't like that word, but when you get into midlife, <laughs> every, you know, you, it, you just expect to slow down. I'm like, no, I, f- I feel awesome. 
That is so awesome. That's so awesome. So congratulations on, on, on that too. You know, you worked hard to get where you are. You know, I can tell. Um, and then we have these four discoveries that you made. So, I mean, you got your PhD, you're a researcher, you know, you're brilliant. Um, you know, what did you discover that really led, you know, what is the problem with hormones? There's so much out there on this, and yet it still feels like it's like kind of a crazy topic where everybody has different answers, almost like the whole diet thing. So I'm so curious what your discoveries were on that. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So I, when I went back to get my PhD, and I'm just finishing my dissertation in some very geeky stuff, which if you want to talk about it, we can. But, you know, one of the, the big reason is I wanted to know why women basically paid the price. You know, we have autoimmune mm -hmm. diseases 10 to 1. We have more likelihood for dementia. We age match men for heart disease and diabetes risk once we go through menopause. And so when I started digging, I started coming across all these little bits and pieces where the genetics play a role, where the changes, particularly in our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, everybody assumes that all, all that's happening there is it's changing at the ovaries and the adrenal glands where those hormones are made, but that there's not a full body effect. It's kind of this sort of overarching, it just kind of happens. Mm -hmm. So when I was digging around, I started looking at it. And the first thing that I found is there's a significant amount of changes in the powerhouse of our cells, the mitochondria, when we see extraordinary changes in estrogen. You know, our mitochondria in our ovaries actually produce estradiol, right? So as so there's an impact and there's also receptors for it. And so it's not only that you're losing estrogen, and so therefore, you know, your sex drive goes down, your libido's obviously part of that, terrible, your sleep might get terrible, you get hot flashes, but your powerhouses are now affected. And one of the one of the main things that happens is the ability of your muscle cells, right? So the biggest user of your glucose and or fat is going to be the big muscle groups like your legs, your your hips, your buns, your back, those big muscles. Mm -hmm. But when you get glucose, so sugar sitting outside the cell, the muscle cell, and it has to get pulled into the cell. It gets pulled into the cell by insulin. And most, I'm sure probably most of your listeners are probably comfortable with the idea of insulin resistance. So that mm -hmm. could be a problem. And mm -hmm. it's assumed about 88% of the population have some problems with it. Well, when you get it inside the cell, there's a transporter called the GLUT4 transporter. So think of this as a slide, but it's a slide that has a very minor tilt. So it's, it's, it's not a slide you would have fun sliding down. You'd have to kind of push yourself down it. Okay. Okay. So even in a perfect world, it's sort of a passive transport was what it would be called. But even in a perfect world, it's a very slow slide. Well, in women, when we go through menopause and that estrogen level drops, that transport just, it's like somebody tilts it to flat. So it's, it's, okay. it's this passive transport of glucose to burn inside the muscle tissue, which is where we're supposed to burn fuel, mm -hmm. is very slowed, right? So you may have a woman who's eating all the right foods, working out like a mad woman, mm -hmm. and she may not be actually transporting that glucose properly, right? So oh, that's such a great, that's, that's so good. I just yeah. talked to somebody the other day who's dealing with this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some women don't experience that, but yes. I was one of those. Uh -huh. I was one of those. As I went into perimenopause that decade before I went through menopause, everything that I ever did before, you know, eat low carb, high protein, high intensity intervals, weight training, none of that worked. I packed on weight and I had all the symptoms, insomnia, all these other things that got worse 
And adding hormone replacement didn't do a darn thing. If anything, it almost made it worse, trying to balance out the other hormones against it. And it's because there's these underlying cellular mechanisms that are getting ignored. Two of the other Mm -hmm. things that are really prevalent is the liver is one of the biggest metabolic organs we have. It's, you know, so it, it helps us metabolize fats. It helps us handle glucose. It is also your detox pathway. It is all these different things. But one of the things the liver is very strong at doing is taking amino acids, which are the building blocks from proteins Mm -hmm. into the liver and converting them to glucose through a process called gluconeogenesis. So creation of glucose. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to do that because we have cells like the red blood cells and even the brain cells that need glucose. And some Mm -hmm. like glial cells need more than others. Now, some of your brain cells and most of them can use ketones, but that assumes that you're a good fat burner. So when women go through menopause, the action of gluconeogenesis is amplified. So just the liver on its own is like, hey, instead of burning the fat that's on your butt and your hips, I'm going to go take protein from your muscles or the protein you're consuming. I'm going to go through gluconeogenesis and I'm going to use that instead. Sure. The body always compensates. It's going to use something else. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, as women, we're wired to conserve. You know, we need to be able to go through famine. So we are automatically more wired for that, but it gets amplified in, in, in menopause, right? So you may have somebody doing all the right things and they may be burning off muscle tissue while they're exercising, thinking that they're burning fat because it's preferentially doing that instead of burning fat. Instead of burning fat. What's the trick then? How do you switch that around? What do you, how do you, how do you, I don't want to say fix that, but I guess that's the word that's coming to me. What do you do for that? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, and so there's one more mechanism that I'll back up on that. Cause this, this other mechanism is important too. So this is work done by Rick Johnson out of university of Colorado and several other researchers. Um, and, and it was pretty profound work. What they found was, so animals that hibernate, so think of a bear, mm-hmm. animals that hibernate have this very controlled mechanism inside their mitochondria that turn down the powerhouse on its own, controlled to make sure that they gain enough weight through the summertime and their early fall so they could go sleep for three or four months and live off their body fat. The mechanism inside the cell is the production of uric acid in the mitochondria that slows it down. It is the switch. So we've long known since the late 1800s, high uric acid in the serum in the blood is indicative of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, hypertension, and gout. And that's what people think of. Right. So So when uric acid is elevated, we're slowing everything down. In women, uric acid is amplified right after menopause. So this little mechanism that is kind of like your body thinks it's it's turning on hibernation. So that's kind of what's happening. You have to turn it down. So what's interesting is when you're doing this, you know, part of like the first part of my hormone reset is to basically take a sledgehammer to each one of those nails, right? So it's to make sure that we're not eating too much of it could even be in some cases protein because I have women that'll go, you know, I'm making sure I'm getting 120 grams of protein every day. And I'm like, well, that might be great if your body's efficient with it. It may not be, and we might have to short-term change it, right? Mm -hmm. So so it's often sort of tweaking the protein intake for a very short period of time along with reducing carbohydrates. But it's also making sure that you're not turning on that uric acid pathway with what you eat. Because not only um, does, you know, I think if anybody's ever heard of uric acid, the common things that we think of that may be raising it are things like alcohol, aged foods. So things like 
salami, aged meats, organ meats, those kind of things, mm-hmm. sugar. And then what we also have, which has become super prevalent in the last 25, 30 years in our food supply are food additives, autolyzed yeast extract, yeast yes. extracts, MSG, all those flavor enhancing things. You know, these are genes. And so I think, I think there's not good research out there looking specifically at women in this age group, but I think some of us have significant mutations on the genes that do this and we have a more hair trigger response. So I might be looking at all those foods. So you can imagine if you're the woman that's like, I'm eating low carb. I had a busy day. I'm going to come home and have a glass of wine or two. I'm going to make a charcuterie board because I love that. Have a little bit of this, <laughs> that, have a little bit of olives. What I might be doing is turning on that uric acid pathway all the time and my carbs are still low. You know, I'm not eating a bunch of sugar. So, so we have to, we take kind of this sledgehammer to all of them and start resetting it. And then, and then the idea is to help the body get metabolically flexible, flexible. So I can move between macronutrients. I can have a little bit of carbohydrates and I'm not going to gain five pounds over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing I didn't want to do, you know, I had come from a, you know, living around the bodybuilding world and kind of living that lifestyle for seven years and, you know, where carbs were bad. And I felt like I had to stay on these really restrictive diets, which would never work. And they stopped working at 40. So, Mm -hmm. so the idea that you can retrain that mitochondrial function to help your body kind of move between what would be normal variations in the diet. We can do that with forms of intermittent fasting and macronutrient rotation once you fix that sledgehammer problem. And that's what I found for my own self. You know, and and right. hundreds of women now have gone through it and been able to lose weight and not feel like they were on a diet because they had to keep some macro out of their diet, no fat or no carbs or, you know, because I, I know at this point in my life, I don't want to live like that. Sure. We want to live, you know, you, it's a, kind of the 80-20 rule is kind of how I, I look at it. But just like you, I went through a kind of crashing and had to, you know, change my diet and learn about all this. And it's so interesting. I feel like I can use my body as a science experiment now. I mean, I don't eat sugar. I know exactly what I need to eat. And I, it's not that I'm not going to go have some chips or, you know, like indulge somewhere over here, but I can kind of feel the difference the next day and then I can reset, you know? So it's um, it's really knowing. It's really getting to know your body and what you need and how to reset all those, all those parameters, right? To get the mitochondria really working right. Absolutely. When I think most women feel like if this has been their struggle, they feel like their body's betraying them. So that Mm -hmm. natural, beautiful intuition that I think women have just at abundance, we start to distrust it. Right. Yes. And so the other thing that I find is through the program, and we're always reinforcing this, is how to help people now start to trust their body again and not not constantly feel like it's a battle, because that's not a great place to live. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, I really believe that that trust is also not just uh, about the body. Mm -hmm. You know, it is about trusting your intuition in general. Um, I started biofeedback years ago. So 20 years ago, I was one of the very first frequency medicine doctors. And I would get to see everything coming up on the panels on this biofeedback device. And I'd watch my people come back, Betty. And and I, I figured out back then I wanted to create the bumper sticker. I was like, you know what? When people follow their intuition and they trust it, that's really what healing's about. Because mm-hmm. I kept seeing that over and over again. When someone really got to the place that they trusted their intuition about either what they were supposed to eat or where they were supposed to go or do or be or anything, 
that all work together. And so the spiritual body affected the physical body too. And mm -hmm. so I, I bet you're helping women on many, many levels, not just with their diet and with nutrition and with hormone balance and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. We connect into the quantum, you know, and it's like, yes. the quantum's telling you, you just got to hear it. <laughs> you just got to listen. <laughs> you got to listen. You've got you know, to whether it's, you know, quantum prayer, whatever, whatever somebody's sort of spiritual pathway is. We, the, I think the Western world does a lot to sort of rip it off and sort of diminish that trust and understanding. And I think once we tap back into it, the answers are already present. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so how do you do that? How do you help women with that? You know, um, so some of it is, is helping them play around with, you know, maybe they've never meditated, right? And so for some people, meditation may be prayer. Some people, it might be creative visualization, but we have several different parts in our program that sort of walk through it. And it's just getting in touch with their emotional state, their physical body, and then the messages that they're getting, you know, so we play a little bit around with that. We do use some tapping, you know, um, to help people sort of feel like they have some agency over their expression of their emotions. Um, you know, we have some coaches that help people coach through, you know, tapping in. Cause I, I can tell you, I'm, a, I'm, you can probably tell by talking to me, I'm, I'm a naturally wired type A, uh -huh. right? I'm, I'm yeah, logical, yeah. I'm scientific. And so, you know, I, you know, it's very easy for me to stay in that world. So, you know, the other thing, doing grounding, like going outside and grounding, getting sunlight in the morning, and then tapping into creativity, you know, as a, as a self-expressed type A with very little artistic skills, you know, I can only draw <laughs> stick figures. But I think, I think when we start engaging also that creativity side that we may have turned off, that starts to open up the channels a little bit too. So I think, you know, we have different parts of that while we're working on all of this sort of physical, logical sort of things. We're having people try on these different experiences to see if they sort of can come back to themselves. Absolutely. See, come back to themselves. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, I love that because I really do find that people need to come back to 100% their soul's truth. And, and oftentimes we've lost that along the way for many reasons, whether it was a health issue or something else that occurred in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that does affect, you know, your, your emotions affect your physical body. Absolutely. And you know, the, yeah. the interesting thing, and I would say this is sort of the sneaky part of my program, is the more somebody taps into those pieces, the easier everything else becomes, Right. Yes. The easier all the physical becomes, you know, it's most people think in the opposite direction when my body matches how I want to, how I want it to, then I will do this. And I'm like, if we engage and do this, the body will come along because there's, there's a disconnect, I think, spiritually when we are, when we are avoiding what we, what our purpose is. Absolutely. And, you know, I find this too, if people don't have a purpose, it's harder to heal. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And even if it's, it doesn't have to be the purpose for the rest of your life, but it's got to be a purpose for right here, right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And your purpose could just be being a mom, you know, that could be your purpose. You know, it's not like some big thing. You don't have to be some movie star or, or you know, track star or something. Yeah, it could <laughs> be an athlete. It's really just about you being you. Yeah. yeah, it's like feeling feeling good so you can play with grandkids or, you know, it doesn't have to be something, you know, epic, a career change or whatever, you know, I, I just think, I think we just have to tap into that and we have to keep digging if we're not sure what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Give us a case study. Give us a, something that somebody you've worked with who came in and, you know, with all, all the hormone imbalances, you like to work with those women over 40. 
um, you know, of some transformation that happened there for them. How would you, how, you know, give us a story? Sure. So, so I'll, I'll give you this a story of, I'm going to change the name, obviously, and Cindy, mm-hmm. we'll call her Cindy. So Cindy came to, came to my program and she was 67 and she was eight years out from a breast cancer diagnosis. She had gone through chemo, gone through the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, obviously, you know, she, she was postmenopausal. She was, she had been on hormone replacement, taken off hormone replacement. And once she went through menopause, you know, she had gained the weight that most women experience. She was 35 pounds heavier than where she felt comfortable and had mm-hmm. been that way for over a decade right? Just because the act of menopause sort of drove that. And then after the chemotherapy and when she came, there was a bunch of things. Her energy was low. Um, you know, she wanted to lose weight and felt like she couldn't, especially at her age. And, and she just felt disconnected. She was like, I don't have any passion for life. I don't feel connected. I just, I don't even, I'm just here. I retired and I'm just here, (laughs) you know? And, and so a lot of what happened for Cindy was, you know, number one, we went through, you know, the three phases of the hormone reset program. She was able to lose actually 37 pounds that she had been unable to lose for over a decade. You know, she started sleeping through the nights because she was having insomnia, you know, and oddly enough, she was having night sweats because even though she had no, like no hormones, right. She, but she was still having night sweats almost, you know, eight years later after, after treatment for breast cancer. And And the other part of it is as she sort of went through this process, she got more engaged in her life. She started doing things she was passionate about. She was more engaged with her husband. And actually, you know, I think the other thing and why I'm so passionate about women is, of course, he got healthier because if mama gets healthy, (laughs) everybody gets healthy, right? Because we were essential, you know, 87% of even buying decisions are usually made by the female in the household. You know, if it's if it's a you know heterosexual couple or whatever from the research, so you know not only did she get healthier, he got healthier, and they they started doing more things together, so their connection got better. And you know, so you flash forward years later, she still has the weight off. So this was over two years ago, and she's been able to maintain it, and she doesn't feel like she's dieting, right? Nice. And she, and she just feels like she has more clarity. Her brain works better. And she's not on this sort of rat race of I have to be keto or I have to be high protein. You know, it's it's not like that. And so, and many, many other women, I, women in their 40s lose weight, women in their 60s and 70s lose weight, which is beautiful because often we're kind of told that's uh, over for you. This is just downhill as you get older. It's not true. Right. You're giving people hope. That hope is so important. Absolutely. Congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's really, really, really awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, Because again, I talked to a lot of, a lot of women too, who are in that same exact place, you know, in life and whether they're doing hormone replacement therapy or whatever, they've kind of gone to a place of acceptance. Like I can't do anything about this. This is, and, and, and you're here to say, no, no, you can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I'm an advocate for hormone replacement, particularly when you look at what happens to the brain and everything else when we let those yep. hormones go and osteoporosis. I have a specialty in osteoporosis. And I think they're important, but for a lot of women, they're kind of told, oh, if you get on these hormones, everything will be perfect after that. And then, you know, for some women it's true, but the ones that are not feeling better or, you know, their body's still in the same metabolic place, I think these are the mechanisms that are underlying it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I've had to learn to take care of myself. And I am on bioidentical hormones. Um, I'm older than you. um, And I feel really great. But I know how to work my body now and had to crash to learn to, to get here. You know, so I do a lot of variety of things, everything from I have five different neurobiofeedback type programs, so I can really help change the brain. But I use all those programs on myself, you know, so I have have like a whole self-care routine. So what's your self-care routine? What do you like to do? What's what does Betty do in the morning and at night? Or what, give us give us some tips here. So I'm going to be real. You know, I don't I, I'm not necessarily great every morning, but, you know, I, I fall off the wagon every once in a while. You know, so my my preference it, when when I can, depending on if I'm traveling and things like that. So I like to wake up in the morning and immediately do a meditation. You know, part of that is that helps me set the tone for the day. It helps me connect to my higher power. And also make sure that I'm not taking on somebody else's monkey. Right. Oh, awesome. You know, I don't check my, my, I don't check my email. I don't check text. I, until I've done everything that I want to do, because as soon as you do that, you're now managing somebody else's monkey. You have to feed it, take care of it. And I'm not going to do it. Um, You know, so I like to do that. Now, to be honest, I don't work out in the morning because that is the best time for me to use my brain power. You know, so I'll get up early and if I have to prepare, whether I'm writing content or whatever, then after I've meditated, I will do that. I do have a little bit of coffee that I put a bunch of fun things in to help my brain work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I usually go, obviously go to work. And so sometimes I'm working from home and recording podcasts or I'm seeing patients. And then for me, exercise is better in the afternoon or evening because I feel more physically adapted. And I've I've been able to maximize my my fitness and get it down to where I can be very, very um, thoughtful about it and get a lot done in a very short period of time. But mm-hmm. um, on the other fitness side, for me, cycling is one of my favorite things to do. Awesome. Um, I find cycling, especially on the weekends, because in order to get a lot out of it, you need to be on there for a while. That's where a lot of my thoughts and sort of coalescing next steps comes from. And so um, I do that on the weekend. And then the other thing that I think is really important about self-care routines and, you know, whether it's biofeedback, I have, you know, a biomat, so I do infrared and all these different things is the more disciplined somebody is about Mm -hmm. how they manage their schedule, how they get things like planned the better off and the more freedom they have. And that's, and I think that's the hardest thing for people to engage in uh-huh. because it feels restrictive. And I'm like, you're restricting yourself so you can get more done or have more or be more by being disciplined. And so the other thing is I'm extremely disciplined about how and when I do things. So I get in what I want to get in. You know, structure gives you freedom. The most successful people I've ever met, including my mentors, when I think about my mentors, they were very disciplined. And that's not my nature. My nature, I'm a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. I want to run around and play and like make stuff up as I go, you know, but I had to become <laughs> really structured to do what I do. But it gives me so much more freedom. Like I know I'm going to get up and meditate. I know I'm going to do yeah. this next step. So I have it built in and it's not haphazard and I'm not trying to work around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really, really beautiful. What are some tips you use for your brain power? You know, I am. So I use a couple different kind of neurofeedback, biofeedback devices. So I use a brain tap. Um, You know, the, the other thing that I think is super important is if we look at the research, obviously keeping the brain active, you know, whether it's, you know, brain games and things like that, I think are important. Part of the reason I went back for my PhD was, A, I wanted to look at literature and research, but I was, I was almost 50 when I did that. 
And a lot of it was to keep the brain engaged, you know, it's to constantly make the brain go through those mental gymnastics of thinking and postulating and those kind of things. So I think even just doing that kind of stuff is strong for the brain. Um, you know, for me also the meditation, you know, I sit in quiet at night, um, and listen to some meditative music and sort of slow the brain down. Cause I need to also turn it off, you know? So I do 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 some of that as well. Um, heart rate variability, you know, play a little bit with heart math and those kind of things too, to sort of help ratchet down the stress response. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you can tell, you know, that you've taken really good care, good care of yourself and you've got some self-care tools in place and you're coaching others on that as well. Yes. You know, and I know that you're a speaker, you love to speak. Um, so, so give us some examples of, you know, what you've done with that or where, where you're going with that, Betty. Yeah. So obviously um, I've given over the last 18 years that I've been in practice, lots of lots of public talks from everything from a go red campaign kickoff in Dallas to, you know, um, professional conferences. And, you know, so I love to talk about the science and make it easy to understand. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information out there and I think people get overwhelmed and it's not put into very real terms. So I love doing that. But, you know, I think as I move into this next season, my real goal and, and love is to really get out in front of women, especially, and help them feel like, this is not the downhill slope of the hill. This is actually like <laughs> a whole new spring and a whole new exciting time. And that, you know, we have this extraordinary power. So that's, that's really, you know, and I can bring in the beautiful science and some of the other reasons why somebody might do that. But I really, really want to be able to help women feel empowered and, and feel, feel like there's a, a, a bigger future for them. And again, like you said, it could be being the best mom ever, but it's, it's that bigger future and that it's here and now and available to them. So those are the things that I really get passionate about talking about. And I'll put some science in there at the same time. Yeah. I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. You're blending science and, and, uh, and spirituality. Really. You're helping people really see the importance of being whole and hopeful. Yeah. yeah and giving women hope. That's so completely beautiful. You're doing such a great job. Tell us about your clinic. You have the Well da Dallas Functional Medicine Center, and I know you have uh, quite a few people there also working with you, helping. So it's a well-rounded program that you have. It's not just you coaching women. Absolutely. So yes. I've um, so I opened Living Well Dallas Functional Medicine Center. We actually opened in uh, early o. Six. The company's been around since 05 as one of the first multi-specialty functional medicine-based clinic in Dallas. Nice. And, um, you know, over the years, we've gotten bigger, we've transformed, we've done a bunch of different things. So today in the clinic, we have internal medicine, psychiatry. We have a, a pretty deep bench in autoimmune, obviously, because that's kind of where a lot of people, unfortunately, come to functional medicine. But mm -hmm. we also have health coaches, clinical nutritionists, licensed therapists. We have some biofeedback. We have a lot of diagnostic testing. And, you know, we put together our specialists in whatever way makes sense for the people coming in or the people we're working with to get better. You know, because sometimes the most cathartic experience someone may have may be with a health coach, right? So we, we really help people sort of put together the right team to help them get better. And then obviously I have my online program where I work with women all over the country. And my health coaches and my other people help with that too. How do you manage all that? 
<laughs> I compartment, you know, like I said, I compartmentalize <laughs> like I am, like I am really efficient with time. Like I don't, I don't, I, I'm multitask like anybody does. I call people from the car and all that stuff. But like when I'm, when I'm in clinic seeing patients, that's what I'm doing. Like I don't do business. I don't try and fit a business meeting in, in between because it takes me off my game. So I think some of it is that strong structure. Mm-hmm. And then I have, I have some incredible people that work for me. You know, I, I have put together a great team. I mean, some of our people have been with us 14 years, eight years, nine years, seven years. We, we have deep bench. We are, you know, slow to hire, you know, it, we find the right people. And so I have people that execute at a level that are, is amazing. So I think, I don't think you can build things without great teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're doing such great work. I am just, it's just really awesome to, to be with you today. If, if you were going to leave our audience with one brain tip, what would that be? You know, I would say, oh my gosh, that's hard. Just one. I'm so, I'm so talkative. Well, <laughs> give us more than, give us more than one. <laughs> you know, I would say that I think first off, it's kind of the hope, hope conversation is that you can, even with profound loss of brain function, whatever it might be, cognition, memory, whatever it is, we have the capacity to rebuild that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that and that we have the ability to do that with diet, lifestyle, exercise, you know, neurofeedback, those things. And so I, I don't want anybody to feel like they're stuck and there's no improvement possible. So the, the first mm-hmm. one would be a, a big thing of hope. I would say the second thing is, is that just like anything else, the quality of what you eat, you know, and taking out the things that are toxic to you not only helps the gut, it also helps the brain. And that, you know, what we put on the end of a fork is probably the most profound thing we could do for our our body physically. And, you know, you can break it every once in a while. Do I occasionally have a gluten-free cake? Yes, I do. (laughs) But, (laughs) but we have to, we have to look at our body as this really incredible Tesla or whatever favorite car somebody has, and that we have to put good fuel in it. And when you do that, the brain will work better, but you have to do it consistently like an 80, 20 rule. Like you can't, just do it a little bit and expect it to get better. Awesome. Such great tips. Oh my gosh, this has been so fun. You are so amazing. And so thank you so much for being with us today, Betty. Any final words you'd like to leave? Oh, you know what? We want to tell people about your quiz. You've got an awesome quiz that really does help people identify where their imbalances are. Yes. 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 So there's, yeah. So definitely women are always wondering what, you know, my hormones are out of balance, which ones and which what's causing it. So I have a quiz that you can go, it takes a couple minutes to take that'll help you sort of walk through and figure out what your main hormonal imbalance is. And so you can kind of figure out, is it really my, my sex hormones going crazy? Is it my thyroid? Is it my adrenals? Because often they're all at play, but there's a dominant problem that must be taken care of. And that quiz is that what's my hormone type quiz. And I think you've got the link, but that'd be a great way for somebody to just to find out what's going on in their body. Yeah, we'll put we'll put that um, below. So we'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, and how can people get a hold of you? Sure, sure. So probably the easiest thing is you can find me online at bettymurray.com. Um, I'm on Instagram also as bettymurray underscore PhD. You can find me there. And then I have a podcast called Menopause Mastery Podcast. And we we have a new episode each each week out and we cover all kinds of topics, but 
and I obviously I have lovely people like Louise on there as well. So I interview and I also give content um, by myself. So you can follow me there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for being with us today, Betty. And, and all of you out there, until next time, follow your heart, but take your brain with you.